All right, folks, welcome to a launch hangout. This is Today in Space, the All Things Space Science podcast. We're here at about seven minutes and 10 seconds before the landing on the moon, the South Pole in Malapert A. The Intuitive Machines Lunar Lander is about to touch down. I've been catching up on everything. They're doing a great job with this broadcast. But if you're brand new to it, if you just heard about the news, about what it is, here's our brief description. So the IM-1 mission is Intuitive Machines Lunar Lander. Intuitive Machines won a contract from NASA to create these Nova Sea landers, these very light, very inexpensive landing uh, lunar landers that are going to allow the lunar economy to expand. The lunar economy is something that's going to make going to space and living there full time a reality and allow space progress to be separated from just politics and just NASA's budget. Now, that's a long way before a lunar economy is really doing something, but the Nova Sea Lander is the first step at it. They launched on one of the most frequently flown rockets, uh, the Falcon 9 from SpaceX. So it was a very inexpensive flight up there. I think a single Falcon 9 rocket is 67 or $69 million, and they're reusing that as opposed to a lot of rockets that cost more than that where they're only launching them once and dumping them into the ocean. The Nova Sea Lander is built to be only like 14 days to survive as long as it's going to have sunlight on the surface of the moon. And if you look up at the moon tonight, you'll notice that the south pole of the moon has sunlight and we're not even at the full moon yet. So that we're at this phase of the lunar cycle where the launch is literally determined by the lunar cycle, which I think is just cool. The Nova Sea Lander has payloads on there. Half of them are from NASA. Half of them are commercial payloads. And basically the first people that were willing to pay for a trip up there. And there's a lot of things that are on this thing. But the big focus of this is, and I thought this was beautifully said by some of the Intuitive Machines team, that the lander, the Nova Sea lander called Odysseus, which is a great uh, nod to the Odyssey, um, and this great journey that we're taking, the Nova Sea Lander is helping provide a way for a bunch of people who want to do research that's going to help the Artemis generation, this next stage of, of where we want to go with human spaceflight. Um, like this is, this is about sending humans into space and having us live there nonstop. And that means a lot of things. That means all the infrastructure that's involved. That means all the different things that are going to happen. So this is a first step in a very big move, uh, progress move for all of human spaceflight with NASA at the helm. They use the CLIPS uh, services to, to basically pay for the development of these landers from Intuitive Machines so that then NASA has a service to send their payloads, their scientific payloads, like the Prime One, which is uh, has two tools on there. It's a drill called Trident, and it's going to drill into the soil and bring up any kind of water ice that's in the soil uh, in Malapert A, which is really important if we're sending humans there. We want to learn about that. And then there's an M-Solo mass spectrometer that's pointing at everything that's coming up so we know what is actually there. 
and and understand the materials that are there, not just water, but definitely something we're looking for. So I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you. We're at three minutes and 15 seconds before landing here. I'm going to turn on the audio. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be my live reaction to this, and uh, we're going to answer some things here at the end. Any kind of like quick thoughts that just came to me. Um, but this is huge. This is the, If this succeeds, if this succeeds, two minutes and 53 seconds, it will be the first landing by the U.S. and the first commercial landing since 1972, Apollo 17. The first humans that we're sending to the moon since 1972, and they will be actually landing in the South Pole. So we're learning so much, and we're setting up all the things we need to learn that we don't have already. There's a lot of work that we haven't done in over 50 years since we were on the moon. So this is that first step at building it. All right, I'm going to turn the volume up now and shut up. This is the Intuitive Machines One Lunar Landing official NASA broadcast. For this 3D printed engine Standing on board. Let's see if we can get an altitude reading from Fido here. That's flight the most Dynamics advanced Sean Stewart on Blue Team. The most advanced engine ever fired in space. Methane oxygen engine, which is really good because methane seems to be abundant in the uh, solar system and possibly the universe. So if we can find water and we can find methane, Confirm we can make fuel. Like a pitch over gimbal. Let's do it. Sounds like we have some data that confirms pitch over. This starts the HDA process. That's hazard detection avoidance throughout this show. You've heard Gary yeah. and I so talking about. So here we get to see this hazard detection avoidance uh, simulation here. Orbit, and to we've, we've seen so many people try and fail uh, at landing on the moon. Japan, China um, have been successful recently. India recently landed on the moon so it's not impossible this is but system right this now. is the point not that the this is the point that um Instead, that we really have to figure out and everyone has to figure out and, feeding that uh, into and that even crazily enough a test that you see thing called the ldl right now, which is what's helping nasa figure out it's helping the mission figure out where they are landing this was like a test technology that was put on there the original system from no from nova c isn't working so now the test tool to and figure out landing is being used to so talk about a technology demonstration of the lander and in this process we do have a deployment so of waiting. Google cam attempting to take the third person images of there are cameras on board so we're going to see a lot of stuff surface we are inside of one minute Gary one minute here folks before landing this is the most difficult part and this is where the touchdown has to be soft and hopefully that LDL tech demonstration goes extremely well and yes, we're willing to blow down that would be another thing for artemis moving forward so here we go folks 3d printed engine for the win let's go and we're tracking here in the broadcast booth the clock has reached the expected may take a minute for comms to reestablish standby all right, so there's 15 there seconds here that it's We've expected. The expected time of landing, but now is the process of waiting for comms, and we are in standby mode, as you heard it from the mission director, waiting Dr. Waiting to Kim hear Crane. if things were successful. 
this is so stressful. I can't, that room must just be palpable with stress and hope, but definitely stress. Now these folks are looking at, at, at graphs and data and they know what's nominal, what, what's to be expected. And one minute has elapsed from the notes that we have, Gary, of that original burn starting at PDI. And you have carrier lock. That's MD asking if we are getting the ground stations locked on to Nova C. The other thing is, are the ground stations actually pointing to the lander? That's the other thing. So is the, is it, did it land and we're just waiting to get communication? That carrier lock call, Gary, we expect that to come from GroundNet or COM, that conversation possibly not happening on our public channel that we have access to. We're just standing by to hear that uh, come through the channels as we approach the team still looks, since we estimated you know, the landing pretty, time. We did get a few calls. Pretty on, on it. I'm not seeing defeated faces. The room saying there was about a two-minute forgiveness in our timetables. We were checking All right, so two minutes in the timetable. There's still plenty of time. We've seen checking dust cause issues with communication before, so a lot of the moon is untouched, especially this area where they landed. No one's ever landed this close to the South Pole, so just waiting to hear back in. There's multiple lines of communications. This is the NASA line. So what's available to the public? <laughs> Boy. Talk about stress, man. Time dilation. We're standing by, <laughs> Gary. We're standing by just uh, as we approach 5.26 p.m. Central Standard Time. Given know, what, those do, what do you guys think? Would you be able to do this kind of job? Is this kind of thing what we were like, tracking, what we get were you excited? I know for me, the Apollo 13 mission, you know, especially the Please movie, because I wasn't alive at the time, but the movie where the they... last information you had, and we'll determine if this is a comm outage. All right, and that's so the they mission director might have here. These are our notes here of what we believe. We talked about the comm outages things. with the lander making autonomous decisions. This is the process of going through the last bit of data that came into Nova Control mm. and working to verify, okay, this is the last bit of data. Where was this, was the lander possibly going? How do we look for it and establish those communications? Nova C uses four antennas placed at the top of the lander that are designed to capture Anyways, these communications. Apollo 13, when they dump, we gotta we save the astronauts. It, we gotta bring them back home. Again, talking about the moon, right? They dumped of itself, and right that now box by of supplies where they had to figure out how to get the filtration system working again. That was There's like the biggest, like, hand raise, put me in, coach, I ever wanted. Uh, and that's Nova literally what, uh, why I became an engineer. It's that. And so a, a moon mission that's challenging us to even we have all this technology and all this amazing history of being able to do this, there's still problems that came up. Like their main way of figuring out if their landing was going well uh, to tell the lander how to react to soft land, that goes down and then you've got to use another thing. Like imagine the people on the technology demonstration thinking, we didn't have to do this. How do we, like how do we, how do we put, how much, faith do we have that this LDL could help save this mission? And so those teams work together behind the scenes to, to tell each other the information they needed, communicating something they never thought they'd have to, and trying to make the best decision. Yeah, I guess you 
hold the room looking for uh, states and uh, we're going to go ahead and cycle the ground transmitter on Goonhilly and uh, do some RF sweeps. Is that your plan? That's correct. All right, cool. It sounds like they're going to start looking for the signal. And that's just what we had signal. in mind in our notes, Gary, is that if we encounter a communications challenge, we mentioned how difficult it is to land on the moon and continually have those communications. What you just heard there is folks talking about using the Goonhilly Earth Station Limited uh, dish in the UK to do a sweep. Look. All right, folks, let's take a break from the IM-1 lunar landing live reaction to talk about some brain fuel because these folks are in the thick of it. They're using their brain at fifth gear. And, you know, if you're in science or engineering or you're in a creative job and you've got to get into that flow and caffeine just isn't doing it for you anymore and you're, you're trying all these different things, believe me, I've been there. I've, I've been on the search for that because coffee was making me feel jittery. It was making me feel not even like the productiveness that I was getting from coffee kept dropping and it just felt like I was, it was addiction. You know, that's really what it is. It just felt like I was addicted. I had to do it. I didn't feel that, you know, waking up excited for the cup of coffee and it just wasn't even effective and I was dehydrated. I just felt drained. And then Magic Mind came on the picture for us and we gave him a try and now we're in. We have the subscription package. We get 30 every month and it's part of my routine now, and I feel more energized throughout the day. No more peaks and valleys, just a nice step function of energy throughout the day. And it's it's honestly been great. It helps me focus better, especially since we're an independent podcast here. You know, I do everything here for for the show, and and so it's it's recording, it's editing, it's planning, it's it's posting, it's market, like all of those things we're doing here. And so I've got to make the most out of the time that I do have to work on this. And that's what's beautiful about Magic Mind is it's really become a part of that. And so my whole day has a higher baseline of energy. So we love it. And we'd love for you to try it too. We have a, a coupon code for you to check out. So go to magicmind.com slash today in space. Use today in space 20 as the code. Get 20% off one item or up to 56% off the subscription order. Now, the subscription order, like we're doing one a day, that brings it down to around, you know, just above $2, which, you know, if you think about how many extra cups of coffee you're probably not going to drink in, in you, we're talking at least one coffee that you're getting at the drive-thru. Um, so add Magic Mind to your mix and get a little bit more efficient with your brain power and just give your brain the stuff that it needs and it, you, go check out magicmind.com slash learn and you know literally learn about the process and what's in there we chose them because we believe in this product so and we're using it every day we wouldn't be talking about it if if it wasn't helping us out so magicmind.com slash today in space go check them out give your brain the fuel it needs and uh let's get back to this lunar landing where these Big brains are trying to figure out this moon landing situation. Let's dive in. Looking for that signal. We mentioned that autonomous process of the lander reassigning itself somewhere you know, that it believes I, is safe. Going into I it, think we heard that the HRN When people talk about science and space, they kind of just use the word science, right? Engineers are a, a very interesting job. It's not for everybody, but like these people in this room are 
are troubleshooting a problem, right? And it's not a problem that they ever thought they'd have. I have a, a slightly similar scenario uh, where I can relate uh, and empathize with what they're going through because uh, I work in customer service engineering. So I'm working with people with technology and I'm helping them when things don't go well or we're trying to figure out what happened, right? So, so they can be successful. They are the customer success, customer support for the lander, right? Yeah, so South Pole, the moon, they're, they're trying to get it back in. You know, and it's it's interesting because, like, you, I, I think if you like solving problems and, and you're not an engineer, you know, I, I would say consider it, especially if you're into space or something like that. And, and you don't even necessarily have to get as close as the engineering role. Um, there's a lot of different things you can work as, you know, a member of a team that develops this technology that, you know, that goes on a lander. Um, and then you might have this opportunity, right, to be involved in this mission in, in some direct way. I mean, that's just such a cool, a, 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 a cool thing that you'd be able to do in your career, right? And there's a lot of sideways career paths that you can take um, that aren't that aren't directly like I am the engineer that works on the Nova Sea lander, or like what I thought when I was going for aerospace engineering was like, I would be uh, an engineer on the um, space shuttle. That didn't happen because the space shuttle retired. <laughs> I didn't have enough time to get to that. And, you know, for now I'm helping people use technology that helps build other things. So I'm, I'm helping other people build whether I'm the person building that myself. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach um, it's a lot, it's a, it, there's a lot of different ways that you can be a part of the space industry if that's what you want to do. Um, we're about engineering here, so that's that's where we focus our stuff. But, you know, for this, being a part of the mission control, um, there's so much you'd have to learn and figure out. And then every all the prep you do is for this when you actually go to space, you actually test it, and you have to deal with where the rubber meets the road, right? But... Let's see. There's Looks like they're still troubleshooting. There's a little more action in the, the room. Station. This I'm going to pull up the audio again. Let's us. see what's going and on. It's important to note, Gary, that we have an, an entire network dedicated to working these communications problems. It's been active this entire mission. And the largest, most powerful dish out of all of them is about a 64-meter dish in Australia. That time to search with that opportunity with the largest, most powerful dish, we're looking at about 12 to 13 hours after our our estimated touchdown. So this is a process that we could be looking and searching for the lander signal for confirmation uh, for quite some time, but we're going to continue to listen in and stand by as our flight controllers are working with the ground station in the United Kingdom to work this issue. Work it's this so problem. crazy it's how much work needs to be done for us to, the to be able to do this on a routine. You know, we take far. for granted the fact that we have airplanes that we're getting on an airplane uh, to go to Florida. We may be able to catch the crew eight launch out of florida which would be amazing but we'll see what happens scrubs happen people launches don't go on time sometimes um so we'll, we'll see but the fact that i could buy a ticket get on a plane and we're going there you know 
obviously assuming everything goes well, like that, I have confidence in that because there's just so many flights during a day, right? Um, we are we are nowhere near that uh, in space. Just getting to low Earth orbit. Never mind the moon. And again, we haven't landed on the moon as a country. We have an onboard fault detection system for our communications since 1972. Minutes with lack of communication, we'll power cycle the radios, and then after that, for another 15 minutes, it will then switch antenna pairs. So we have some time here to evaluate. We do have signal that we're tracking, so we'll see what happens. Okay. There's a great call out about the autonomous systems installed on our Nova C-class lunar lander named Odysseus. The process he's mentioning, Gary, is very similar to the one that we were preparing ourselves for at AOS, to where the lander has systems in place to recycle its antennas, to switch antenna pairs, and it was very similar to what we thought we were going to need to do after acquisition of signal. Uh, when we separated from the second stage of the launch vehicle, if we made it to a certain point, the lander was autonomously programmed to start taking matters into its own hands and that I, I do have to say that table that, that they have in the middle <laughs> of earth is pretty <laughs> crazy I wonder if they're going to switch that out with like once they land on the moon because it would be a little pretentious to have the moon there to start I wonder if they're going to evolve to the moon once they've they've landed and they've, they've and earned the key it here Josh is patience kind of cool it's 5 34 p.m Mission Director Tim Crane confirming that it could take two phases of 15-minute increments to confirm the status of a landing. So we could be here, and we'll stand by and monitor as Nova Controls to continues to work this issue. Here's another thing. Moments while, while we wait to hear what's happened, with the uh, most qualified uh, back in the day, uh, I started this podcast. I was invited. And, uh, I applied and was invited down with NASA Social to go to APL, the Applied Physics so, Laboratory in Maryland. And that was for the New Horizons there. mission before right, uh, the mission flew by Pluto. And the oh, they seem to be getting some kind of signal. They're getting something. Anyways, there's teams that work around the clock because space, there's no like day or time. It's just you've got something that's running. It's not going to sleep. There's no, there's no pause time. So they've got three teams on this one uh, alone um, for the Nova Sealander. Red, blue, and white team, and blue team is who's on right now. Um, we're still standing by. The last call from mission director Dr. Tim Crane was that we were getting a faint signal from Odysseus's high-gain antenna. Okay, so some of Odysseus is communicating. Somewhat. Man, the team dynamic of all of this is so interesting. It's one of the things that, that we've fallen in love with here on the podcast. And what I was looking for uh, as an aerospace engineer was like the people of space, right? Working with the different teams and and a, just seeing how much of good science is a good team, a good group of people working together towards a problem and how even good science can fall apart if there isn't a good team of human beings. What we can confirm, without a doubt, is our equipment is on the surface of the moon, and we are transmitting. So, congratulations, IM team. 
We'll see how much more we can get from that. Wow. So they're on the moon. The question is in what condition? That's amazing. An excellent call from our mission director, Empty Dr. Tim Crane. Wow. And over Go to our CEO, Great call. Just Steve keeping Baltimore. it yeah, simple. I could just pass on a few words to the entire team. Oh, I love and, uh, this. And two of the machines at Superbab and here in the, here in the uh, mission control. Uh, what an astounding effort. I know this was a nail biter, but we are on the, si on the surface and we are transmitting. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. And uh, welcome to Look the at all the people that are involved in this. Houston, Odysseus has found his new home. An this excellent is amazing. call, and this is our team of Intuitive Machines mechanics and their families, their friends, everyone who has said that's so, so awesome to make it this Houston, far. baby. One of the great things I think is that's going to come from this new era is all of these companies that are then going to be able to provide a service for NASA, like they, they be able to provide a different way of approaching space, but also teams because, you know, every group, every company, every organization, even like NASA, they have, they have their politics, right? And so, you know, you hope that you you join a place that has good politics and that, it's, and that the right people uh, go up. But every different place is different. And <laughs> every different place is different. That makes sense. Um, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that every entity, whether it's NASA, whether it's SpaceX, Blue Origin, you know, whatever company it is, they're going to have their, their strengths and they're going to have their weaknesses. But if everything is funneled just through NASA or just through SpaceX, like, and that's not even the case, but for argument's sake, you're limited in the different things that you can do, the different way that teams are built, the different way that problems are approached. And even though it has been chaotic getting to this point where we have the ability to go back to the moon because NASA has invested back into American companies and people, we're, we're reaping the rewards of, of that investment because there are so many brilliant people in this country, but they don't all work at NASA. And they're not all at the contractors that are the typical contractors that had a, a large majority of the projects for NASA. So here, let's listen to Bill Nelson. He is one of our great, uh, great leaders Cosmic here in, in space from the launch pad at the Kennedy Space Center to the target of the south pole of the moon, a commercial lander named Odysseus, powered by a company called Intuitive Machines, launched upon a SpaceX rocket carrying a bounty of NASA scientific instruments and bearing the dream of a new adventure a new adventure in science, innovation, and American leadership in space, well, all of that aced the landing of a lifetime. Today, for the first time in more than a half century, the U.S. has returned to the moon. Ah, this is the, this Today, is the, for the first we time did it, uh, pre-recorded <laughs> message. <laughs> a commercial company, an American company, launched and led the, the, view, the views from there. this lander have been crazy. And today, the camera's is a really day good. That shows the power and promise 
of NASA's commercial partnerships. Congratulations to everyone involved in this great and daring quest at Intuitive Machines, SpaceX, and right here at NASA. What a triumph. Odysseus has <laughs> taken the moon. Uh, this feat is a giant leap forward for all of humanity. Stay tuned. Whew. Boy, right, thank you. I'll tell you. There is this huge space race that's happening right now, and you've got China, Japan, India, all in the mix. Russia even recently tried to uh, land with one of their lunar landers, which did not succeed. If this is successful, it's it's still not official, but it's it's at least intact. This is so lucky that the U.S. could have potentially actually landed on the moon here because we have been we have been progressing towards the moon in a very long time since 1972. So we're so lucky to be alive in this version of the the multiverse. <laughs> as crazy as everything else is right now, with uh, as crazy as everything is with the world right now, the one thing that gives me hope is in, you know, pattern recognition of, of the past, right? And if we look at the last time that there was a space race, and I, I'm not sure uh, 100% if this is a good thing, because hopefully you'd think that it would lead to a good thing, but the world was in chaos the last time that we had a major space race and we were going back to the moon. And now we're in a chaotic time where there are a lot of civil rights issues, human rights issues, and division and distraction. And man, just a whole lot of chaos that's happening. But through that and through the space program, there was this big hope and, and big push towards how are we going to build this future? What are we going to do with this technology? Now, there were definitely problems. Definitely problems. And NASA didn't get it right. And they had to deal with the cross-section of what was happening in the country at that time, civil rights movement. But they made... They made a huge stride for their time, for where they were at that time. And it started this long tradition at NASA, which has made it a, a way more inclusive place than it was in Apollo. The question is, with this new journey to the moon and with this second space race and all the chaos that comes from it, what are our moments of the cultural crossover? Because there was it was a lot of action to try and... The, the, the argument was, why is the money being spent to go to the moon when it could be used back here? And I think at that time is a completely reasonable argument because the money that was being pushed for the moon was military budget, uh, you know, national defense level funding. And 
what they did is is NASA found out that what they could do to the message of all the people of the U.S. with the space program, which was what they wanted to do, they realized there was so much opportunity and so many people who were in need that they could give that opportunity to. And it opened up that pathway. And, and they've been pushed internally from then to keep improving. Right now, we're seeing a lot of that, I think, more on the corporate side of things. So I think it's this very interesting thing where we have this space program that there's a huge commercial partnership and there could be this inflection point where the commercial side of things, especially you know, taking it from the space side of things, can have that cultural moment where we can evolve to something better, right? If you talk to anybody after the moon landings who was alive during the moon landings, who was a child, who was, you see the, the spark in their eye about that era and what it did for a whole generation. And, and we're still talking about it, right? We're comparing everything about this moon launch to Apollo. What could it do for the cross-section of commercial, corporate, business, and private business, and the people of Earth? What kind of things could we reprogram and refocus to build ourselves a better future for all of us? And I think that opportunity is there. Uh, to be honest, every time I would bring up this space conundrum about how we're in this same pattern recognition, we only have one revision. <laughs> we only have one outcome to go off of, one data point, which is never enough to make a trend. But I'm hopeful that if we talk about this and we figure this out, that we can together figure out that inflection point and take advantage of that to build ourselves a better future, to take the momentum that the space program has and help put that back into humanity. That is my hope. That's what I see with this Nova Sea Lunar Lander. Uh, hopefully it was successful, but I'm very hopeful that space has the opportunity to change the future of humanity for all of us. The question is we have to figure out how it's going to do that and really make sure that we're, as people, right, invested in communicating with companies like SpaceX and NASA as, as the government agency, Blue Origin, and keeping them honest and focused on what's really needed for humanity. So that's it, folks. This has been a Launch Hangout. Thank you for being a part of this. We'll have this up on YouTube so you can watch it in case you missed it or in case you just want to relive the moments and hang out with us. I'm Alex G. Orfanos, your space science podcast host from the East Coast, and this has been the IM-1 lunar landing, the South Pole of the Moon at Malapert A. Hopefully the team gets connect, gets connection with the lander again, and we'll see if they were successful. And hopefully some amazing images and all of those other payloads able to tell us more about the moon. That's it, folks. Spread love and spread science. We'll see you next time. See ya. 